Book Jargal by Victor Hugo Chapter 33 More dead than alive, the other two prisoners had witnessed this frightful prologue of their own end. Their timid and terrified appearance contrasted with the rather boastful audacity of the carpenter. They trembled in every limb. Biasu looked at them one after the other with a fox-like glance. Then, taking pleasure in prolonging their agony, he began a discussion with Rigaud upon the different kinds of tobacco, asserting that Havana tobacco was only good for manufacturing cigars, whilst for snuff he knew nothing better than the Spanish tobacco, two barrels of which Buckman had sent him, being a portion of the plunder of Monsieur Le Batu's stores in the Turtle Island. Then, turning sharply upon Citizen General C., he asked him, "'What is your opinion?' This sudden address utterly confounded the timid citizen. He stammered out, "'General, I am entirely of your excellency's opinion.' "'You flatter me,' replied Biasu. "'I want your opinion.' and not mine. Do you know any tobacco that makes better snuff than that of Monsieur Le Batu's? No, my lord, answered C., whose evident terror greatly amused Biasu. General, your excellency, my lord, replied the chief impatiently, you are an aristocrat. Oh, no, certainly not, exclaimed the citizen general. I am a good patriot of ninety-one and an ardent negrophile." "'Negrophile,' interrupted the general. "'Pray, what is a negrophile?' "'It is a friend of the blacks,' stammered the citizen. "'It is not enough to be a friend of the blacks. "'You must also be a friend of the men of color. "'I believe I have said that Biasu was a half-caste. "'Men of color is what I should have said,' replied the lover of the blacks, humbly." I am acquainted with all the most famous partisans of the Negroes and the mulattoes. Biasu again interrupted him, delighted at the opportunity of humiliating a white man. Negroes and mulattoes? What do you mean, pray? Do you come here to insult me with these odious names invented out of contempt by the whites? There are only men of color and blacks here. Do you understand that, Mr. Planter? It was a slip. "'A bad habit contracted in childhood,' answered C. "'Pardon me, my lord, I have no wish to offend you. "'Leave off this my lording business. "'I have already told you that I don't like these aristocratic ways.' "'C. again endeavored to excuse himself, "'and began to stammer out a fresh explanation. "'If you knew me, citizen—' "'Citizen? For whom do you take me?' cried Biasu, with anger." I detest all this Jacobin jargon. Perhaps you are a Jacobin. Remember that you are speaking to the Generalissimo of the King's troops. Citizen. Insolent. The unhappy partisan of the Negro race did not know in what terms to address this man, who equally disdained the titles of my lord or citizen, the aristocratic and republican modes of salutation. He was beside himself. Biasu, whose anger was only assumed, cruelly enjoyed his embarrassment. Alas, at last, said the citizen general, you do me an injustice, noble defender of the unwritten rights of half the human race. In his perplexity to hit upon an acceptable mode of address to a man who appeared to disdain all titles, 
he had recourse to one of those sonorous paraphrases, which the Republicans occasionally substituted for the name and title of the persons with whom they were in conversation. Biasu looked at him steadily and said, Do you love the blacks and the mulattoes? Do I love them? exclaimed Citizen C. I correspond with Brissot, and... Biasu interrupted him with a sardonic laugh. I'm glad to find in you a friend to our cause. In this case, you ought to detest those wretched colonists who punish our just insurrection by the most cruel executions. You ought to think, with us, that it is not the blacks, but the whites, who are the true rebels, since they revolt against the laws of nature and humanity. You ought to execrate these monsters. I do execrate them answered C. Well, continued Biasu, what do you think of a man who, in his endeavors to crush the latest efforts of the slaves to regain their liberty, placed the heads of fifty black men on each side of the avenue that led to his house? C's pallor became frightful. What do you think of a white man who would propose to surround the town of Cap with a circle of negro heads? Mercy, mercy, cried the terrified citizen. Am I threatening you? replied Biasu coldly. Let me finish. A circle of heads that would surround the city from Fort Picolet to Cape Carasol. What do you think of that? Answer me. The words of Biasu, do I threaten you, had given a faint ray of hope to see for he fancied that the general might have heard of this terrible proposition without knowing the author of it. He therefore replied with some firmness in order to remove any impression that the idea was his own. I consider such a suggestion an atrocious crime. Biasu chuckled. Good. And what punishment should be inflicted on the man who proposed it? Here, the unfortunate sea hesitated. Well, cried Biasu, are you the friend of the blacks or not? Of the two alternatives, the negro file chose the least threatening one, and seeing no hostile light in Biasu's eyes, he answered in a low voice, The guilty person deserves death. Very well answered, replied Biasu calmly, and throwing aside the tobacco that he had been chewing. Meanwhile, his air of indifference had given the unfortunate lover of the Negro race some assurance, and he made another effort to dissipate any suspicions which might have been engendered against him. No one, cried he, has a more ardent desire for your success than I. I correspond with Brissot and Pruneau de Pomgouge in France, Magas in America, Peter Paulus in Holland, Abbe Tamburini in Italy— he continued to unfold the same philanthropic names which he formerly repeated under other circumstances, and with a different motive, at the council held at Monsieur de Blanchelande's, when Biasu interrupted him. Ah, what do I care about your correspondence? Tell me rather, where are your granaries and storehouses? My army has need of supplies. Your plantations are doubtless rich, and your business must be lucrative, since you correspond with so many merchants throughout the world. Citizen C. ventured timidly to remark, Heroes of humanity, these are not merchants, but philosophers, philanthropists, 
lovers of the race of blacks. Come then, said Biasu, with a shake of his head. If you have nothing that can be plundered, what good are you? This question afforded a chance of safety of which C eagerly availed himself. Illustrious warrior, exclaimed he, have you an economist in your army? What is that? asked the general. It is, replied the prisoner, with as much calmness as his fears would permit him to assume. It is a most necessary man, one whom all appreciate, one who follows out and classes in their proper order the respective material resources of an empire, and gives to each its real value, increasing and improving them by combining their sources and results, and pouring them like fertilizing streams into the main river of general utility, which in its turn swells the great sea of public prosperity. "'Caramba!' observed Biasu, leaning over toward the obi. "'What the deuce does he mean by all these words strung together like beads on your rosary?' The obi shrugged his shoulders in sign of ignorance and disdain. However, Citizen C continued, "'I have studied, deign to hear me, valiant chief of the regenerators of Santo Domingo. I have studied the works of the greatest economists, Turgot, Reynal, and Mirabeau, the friend of man. I have put their theories into practice. I thoroughly understand the science indispensable for the government of kingdoms and states.' "'The economist is not economical in his words,' observed Rigaud, with his bland and cunning smile. "'But you, eternal talker,' cried Biasu, "'tell me, have I any kingdoms or states to govern?' "'Not yet, perhaps, great man,' replied C. "'But they will come, and besides, my knowledge extends to all the useful details for the management of an army.' The general again interrupted him. I do not manage my army, Mr. Planter. I command it. Good, replied the citizen. You shall be the commander. I will be the commissary. I have much special knowledge as to the breeding of cattle. Do you think we are going to breed cattle? cried Biasu, with his sardonic laugh. We eat them. When cattle become scarce in the French colony, I shall cross the line of mountains on the frontier and take the Spanish sheep and oxen, which are raised on the plains of Cotui, of La Vega, of Santiago, and from the banks of the Yuna. If necessary, I will look for those which graze on the peninsula of Samana, and back of the mountain of Sibos, and from the mouths of the Nebe to those of Santo Domingo. Besides, I should be glad to punish those infernal Spanish planters, those who delivered up Ogé. You see, I am not uneasy as regards provisions— and so have no need of your superior knowledge. This open declaration disconcerted the poor economist. He made, however, one more effort for safety. My studies, said he, have not been limited to the reproduction of cattle. I am acquainted with other special branches of knowledge that may be very useful to you. I can show you the method of manufacturing pitch and working coal mines. What is that to me? exclaimed Biasu. When I want charcoal, I burn three leagues of forest. I can tell you the proper use of all kinds of wood, continued the prisoner, the chicaron and the sabieca for the keels of ships, the yabas for the knee of sternpost, the meddlers for the framework, the gyaks, the cedars, the acamas. 
may the devil of seventeen hells fly away with you, cried Miasu in Spanish, impatiently. I beg your pardon, my gracious patron, said the trembling economist, who did not understand Spanish. Listen, said Biasu, I don't need vessels. There is only one vacancy in my suite. It is not the place of Major Domo. It is the position of valet. Tell me, Mr. Philosopher, if that will suit you. You will have to serve me on your bended knees. You will carry my pipe, cook my turtle soup, and you will bring my Creole stew, and will carry behind me a fan of peacock or parrot feathers, like those two pages which you see. Well, answer, do you wish to be my valet? Citizen C, whose only desire was to save his life, bent to the earth with a thousand expressions of joy and gratitude. You accept, then? asked Biasu. Do you think, generous master, that I hesitate for a moment before accepting so distinguished a post as that of being in constant attendance on you? At this reply, the diabolical sneer of Biasu became more pronounced. He rose up with an air of triumph, crossing his arms and thrusting aside with his foot the head of the white man who was prostrate on the ground before him. He cried in a loud voice, I am delighted at being able to prove how far the cowardice of the white man could go, after having seen the extent of their cruelty. Citizen C, it is to you that I owe this double experience. I know all. How could you have been sufficiently stupid to think that I did not perceive it? It was you who presided at the executions of June, July, and August— it was you who placed fifty negro heads on each side of your avenue in place of palms. It was you who proposed to slaughter the five hundred negroes who were confined in irons after the revolt, and to encircle the town of Cap with their heads from Fort Picolet to Cape Carasol. If you could have done it, you would have placed my head amongst them. Now you think yourself lucky if I will take you as my body servant. No, no, I have more regard for your honor than you yourself have, and I will not inflict this affront on you. Prepare to die. He made a gesture, and the Negroes removed the unhappy lover of the blacks to a position near me, where, without being able to articulate a word, he fell to the ground, fainting. <laughs>